Today we're going to be talking about the idea of going along with the crowd. You will have noticed from the reading that there are several crowds that are described in our passage today. There's a crowd that came to Bethany. There's the crowd that gathered at the capital in Jerusalem. And then later on there's a kind of merging of the two of them. The reason for the crowds uh, was because of Christ. He was at the centre of that. He was the focus uh, of the crowds. Isn't it a strange thing that at the moment that's one thing that we don't have much experience of uh, during this Covid crisis. Um, watching some of the German football seems a bit strange not to hear the crowd uh, shouting. And yet what we realise is that crowds have an atmosphere all of their own. Crowds actually have a mentality all of their own and they behave in certain ways. And that's no different from the, the two crowds in particular that we're going to look at today. Uh, the first crowd, the one that came to the small village of, of Bethany, it might be described in this way, that it was characterised by both curiosity and those who were convinced. The, there were the curious and there were those who were convinced. The raising of Lazarus, of course, was a massive deal. It was big news and it was a huge draw to that little uh, village just outside of uh, Jerusalem. The crowds descended, it was a bit of, an earth, a bit of a circus, and Lazarus, of course, was the, the kind of main, the main exhibit. And you can just imagine the crowds pointing their fingers and peering in the windows and asking questions of one another. You know, is this the man that actually was in a tomb for, for four days and, and was resurrected? And a lot of curiosity uh, formed this crowd. And perhaps there are some people like that who have tuned in today to this service, just wondering what Christianity is all about and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Questions that you're asking, uh, discussions that you would like uh, to have and and we're more than happy for that to be pursued in some of our online activities. But um, it's good not just to stay curious. It's interesting that there was another category of people here. Uh, there were those who were the convinced. Um, it says that they were really affected by what had happened. Uh, they, they reflected on it. They thought about it deeply. It influenced them. They came to a conclusion. And the conclusion was that Jesus Christ must be God made man to have done what manifestly they were able to, to look at. The evidence was staring them in the face. And because of that, it says that they went over to Jesus. Many of them did that. It's quite an interesting phrase, actually, this idea of uh, going over. Um, it reminded me, actually, of uh, historically a couple of a couple of instances this happened in the life of Winston Churchill when he, he went over, he crossed over uh, in the House of Commons uh, from one party and changed to another. And you can imagine the atmosphere as he, as he walked from one side of the benches uh, to the other, a, a conscious, deliberate decision to, to change sides. And, and this, this is what these people did. They, they went over. To Jesus, and it's a great uh, picture of what it means to make that decision to 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 walk with Christ, to decide for Christ, and to.
to walk over from my current way of thinking and my current attitudes and to now make a decision to believe in and to follow and trust the Lord Jesus as my Saviour. There's a, a phrase that uh, I'd like to point out here regarding Lazarus. It says that on account of him, many people had believed in Jesus. And, and because of that, actually, the, the priests include Lazarus in their plans. They, they plan that Lazarus is also going to be put to death as well as Jesus uh, because of his involvement and uh, in having many people now following him. Um, I, I was reminded actually that uh, this verse was, was used in, in the funeral of a Christian man um, and, the, and the text was read out and applied to his life and they said, on account of him many believed in Jesus. He'd been a great evangelist, a person who had witnessed for Christ and had brought many uh, to the Saviour. And I thought, you know, that's not bad. I would be pretty happy with that myself if that could be said about me. Uh, because of me, many went over uh, to Jesus. It's a challenge to us, um, the reality of these things. The second crowd that we follow um, is at the city of Jerusalem. It's Passover time. And uh, there are vast numbers of people who have descended on Jerusalem, not just from within the country, uh, but from other countries as well. Um, th there were thousands upon thousands of people. And uh, you'll notice further down the passage, it comments on people who had come from Greece. Interestingly, if you were to read in Acts chapter 2, at uh, the next feast, the next festival of Pentecost, in that chapter you'll read of 15 different nationalities uh, that were represented there. So this is a huge crowd that has gathered. And if the first crowd is characterised by this attitude of curiosity on the one hand and the convinced, this one is, is, is characterised by, first of all, enthusiasm. I mean, you can just see this. The whole city is moved, the whole city is stirred. It's like a, a royal coronation that's taking place here. They're so enthusiastic, they're lining the roadside, um, they're shouting out words of scripture, uh, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, they're, they're waving the palm branches that they're cutting down from the trees. They're, they're putting their cloaks on the, on the ground to form a kind of red carpet of welcome as Jesus uh, proceeds along the road, sitting on the colt and the foal uh, of an ass. And it's a tremendously uh, enthusiastic picture that's painted for us. Uh, it's like the welcoming of a king uh, on his coronation day. Um, but for all of that enthusiasm, uh, there is a postscript that is part of the narrative here. And what it says is this. It has to do with a lack of understanding. The, the Old Testament scriptures are, are quoted here, particularly Zechariah, about your king coming to you seated on the, on, on the colt, the foal of a, a donkey. And um, it says that the disciples themselves didn't understand the significance of all of this at this point. It was only later on after Jesus was glorified that they grasped it. Now, if the disciples failed to understand, 
how much more were the crowd floundering about, despite their enthusiasm, uh, with a degree of, of misunderstanding and, and even ignorance. I mean, the point that's being made when it says it wasn't until Jesus was glorified is this, that after his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, where he was glorified at God's right hand, 50 days later, the Lord Jesus was to send the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost, uh, when the Holy Spirit came, marked a phenomenal change at a whole range of levels as far as these early Christians were concerned. And in fact, the Lord Jesus, uh, in just a couple of days' time, is about at length to talk to them about that in the upper room in, in John chapter 16. At quite some length, he, he, he describes to them the coming of the Holy Spirit and how it's better for them that he goes away. I mean, they were devastated when he said that. They couldn't believe. How could it possibly be better for them? And yet he says, it will be better. I'm going to send another helper, one who's just like me, but who won't just be with you. He'll, he'll be within you, and he will be within you forever. And when the Holy Spirit comes, there's a whole range of things that he is going to counsel you with, that he's going to help you with. For instance, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That means he's going to bring a message and convict people of what is wrong and of what is right and about the whole issue of justice and accountability that we will have to be accountable to God himself, not to any human court, for what is right and for what is wrong. And he will help you understand these things, these concepts which the crowd, the crowd today in our world, we don't tend to think about very often. In fact, we often think that these issues are completely irrelevant to our lives. And in addition to that, the Lord Jesus said that he will guide you into all truth and he will declare things that are to come. And in part, that is a, that is a reference to the fact that the Holy Spirit would move certain men to write down what God wanted them to write down. And he became, in a sense, the author of our New Testament scripture. And the other thing is that he was going to glorify the Lord Jesus. He was going to take of the things of Christ and he would reveal them, open them up, explain them so that they could understand things. And, and he would glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. But the crowd, along with many people today, for all their enthusiasm, they don't understand, don't grasp the reality of the glory of Christ, the truth of the Bible, and the reality of final justice before God. And that's because that if someone is not a Christian, then you don't have God's Spirit in your life, affecting your thinking, affecting your feelings. It's only this, the Christian who has that privilege they're described as being born of the Spirit, John chapter 3. In fact, it says if, if someone does not have the Spirit of God, they don't belong to Christ at all. That's Romans 8. Because every Christian, 
we were all baptized by one spirit into one body that is the church of christ and that's first corinthians chapter 12 and that all happens at the point of faith when we come to christ and confess him as savior and lord and trust in him at that point god's spirit enters into our life and changes our understanding not all at once but changes our understanding and for the christian this is a great source of encouragement the gospel of christ's redeeming love it touches your heart now the message of the cross it grips your soul as you realize the importance of it the promises of the bible and of the scripture they give you encouragement and they give you hope and you realize that you can hold on to them and all of this is massively reassuring the bible actually refers to it as the witness of the spirit god's spirit is witnessing with your spirit that you are a child of god and it's it's a litmus test if you like that you are a christian but for the crowd they didn't get any of this and that's the reason why only a few days later this very same crowd has completely turned turtle as far as their attitude to christ is concerned and they shout for his crucifixion wholesale away with him the same crowd almost unbelievable that this enthusiastic crowd should change so quickly but they did because despite their enthusiasm there was no understanding and that is how some crowds behave now just in closing the priests have a comment here they're, they're absolutely frustrated and what they say is this as they look at what's going on and they view the crowds they say look the whole world has gone after him we're, we're getting nowhere here as far as our strategies are concerned and of course that's only how it appeared to them it seemed as though the whole world was going after him the reality as we've just mentioned is that in fact there were only a few who truly were believers in Christ and it's interesting as a general point the comparison between the many and the few that the Lord Jesus had taught that there is a broad road that leads to destruction and there are many people who travel on that road crowds of people there is a narrow road that leads to life and there are only a few who walk that road and there is a narrow gate that only admits one person at a time which is the access to that road and that gate is christ himself it's a minority thing and we know that no one is saying in our country or in Aberdeen today, look, the whole world has gone, gone after him. It's very much a minority thing in our day and age. And so this message today comes to us not as a crowd, not as a family, not as a couple. But this message of Christ comes to us as an individual and personally. What do I think of Christ? What will I do with Christ? 
will I go over to him? And what I'm asked to do can be summed up in the words of a verse in Hebrews chapter 13, which says, Let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. You see, they they took him outside the city eventually, outside the city wall to Calvary, where they were going to crucify him. He was put out. He was expelled from the population and he was forsaken and alone he died on Calvary's cross. And we are told to go to him there. Go to him in the place of rejection, to leave the crowd, to walk against the crowd with conviction, not just with curiosity, with understanding, not just with excitement, and to take our stand with Christ. In the words actually of the of the final song that we're going to sing, to say I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Why don't we say these words as a prayer as we close today and as we accept that the crowd may well have messages for us of their mentality, but we have to decide as an individual.